Welcome, everybody, and uh, great to have you guys here this weekend. Welcome, everybody, watch online and at Montrose. Thanks for joining us as well. Everybody at the beach uh, that's on a little vacation here, welcome as well, and it's great to, uh, great to gather together. I encourage you guys uh, to pray for our Celebrate Recovery leaders. They're out on a retreat this weekend. So uh, if you don't know what Celebrate Recovery is, Celebrate Recovery is uh, built specifically for anyone who's struggling with any kind of addiction. And uh, it works. They meet on Fridays. It is a phenomenal group of people. I actually don't think anybody does biblical community better than the recovery community does. Uh, sh- sharing their, yeah, you can clap for that. That's awesome. Uh, but they share life with each other and they support one another. They, they're actually a model for the rest of us, honestly, uh, in the church. And so. Our leaders, our volunteers are out on a retreat, and just keep them in your prayer. They're, they're passionate about what they do. God works in them in great ways, and um, I just think it'd be great if, if we, uh, we remembered them as we're, uh, as we're going throughout our week. Uh, we've been in a series here these last uh, few weeks called Breaking the Cycle, and um, what we've been doing in this series is we've been talking about uh, how to break out of things in our life that are negative or painful are frustrating, are sinful, it's addictions, it's the pain of our past, it's dysfunction, it's pain like abandonment, abuse, just all of it. And how do we break the cycles that that creates in our life and so we can be free in Christ and, uh, and so that God can put our life on a different path than we might feel like it is right now. And we've been talking about this for the last few weeks. There's um, lots of this content on the website, on the podcast, on the app, and I wanna continue to move our our, uh, conversation forward this weekend. We've been building this conversation off this foundation, so I just wanna hit it real quick so it frames us up a little bit. We've been saying this, that your present is shaped by your past. Your present is shaped by your past. And so God creates us as a whole person, Literally from the time we're in our mother's womb forward, we're being shaped and formed in the person that he wants us to be and the person that he's gonna uh, ultimately use for his glory and his purpose. And so that's important to know that what happens in my childhood, what happens in my family of origin, what happens behind me kind of comes forward into who I am right now. That's the positive things, that's also the negative things, but our present is shaped by our past in those ways. And then we said this, not only is my present shaped by my past, but emotional health and spiritual health are connected. Emotional health and spiritual health are connected. So wherever I am emotionally hurting or broken, I'm going to be spiritually hurting and broken as well. And so I cannot be spiritually mature in a place in which I am emotionally broken. And so those two things are tied together and it really plays into my relationship with God. So back here in my past, I'm learning to form relationships. I'm learning to function in relationship. When I go and interact with God, my relationship with God is not a religious relationship, it's not an academic relationship, it is a relationship relationship. So how I view things and think about things relationally is gonna tie in directly to how I view things and think about things in my connection with God. So that's why all of this is important. It's all important to remember like this is the whole of who God has made me, this is what God want, how God wants to use me, and this is the things that have shaped me ultimately so I can do and be who God has called me to do and be. So we've talked a ton about this the last few weeks. Like I said, I encourage you to go back 
If you're ever gonna go back and kind of fill in blanks, this would be a great one to do that, to go listen to those conversations and kind of let them build off of themselves a little bit. So this weekend, I wanna talk to you about the idea of giving your pain a mission. And so we're gonna talk about that here in a minute. Uh, next weekend, we're gonna be talking about discovering the, the wonderful things or the grace of God in your story. So all of our stories have pain in them and then all of us have grace and goodness in our stories as well. So we'll talk about why that's important to understand. And then the next weekend is gonna be the last weekend of the series and that weekend is gonna be the most important conversation in this series. And so I really encourage you, if you're ever gonna be sure that you come in off of line and be here in person, or if you're thinking about what to do that weekend, you wanna be here for sure that last weekend because it's a really important conversation. I think the key to all of it, I'm not gonna tell you what it is, it's gonna be a cliffhanger, you have to show up in person to find out. Uh, but, but you're not gonna wanna miss it, okay? So this weekend, let's talk about this idea of giving my pain a mission, giving my pain a mission. Now, I wanna, I wanna set this up for a second uh, because of this. How you receive truth is directly tied to where you're at in your journey in life, right? So how you receive truth is directly tied to where you're at in your journey in life. Truth is truth. God's truth is God's truth no matter what, no matter when. So that truth doesn't change. It doesn't fail to be true, but how I receive it makes a big difference and that's tied to where I'm at in my life. So uh, I'll give you an example of this. When my mom died, she died in her sleep one night. If you had come to me the morning after she died and said, don't worry about it, she's safe and secure in heaven and that's where she wanted to be anyways, that is a true statement and I probably would have punched you in the face for saying it to me, right? Because where I was at in my journey, that's not the thing to say to me right then, even though it's true. Now, if you said that to me, that, uh, that same truth to me today, I might feel comfort by it, reassurance by it, hopeful by that same truth. So I'm gonna show you a truth here this weekend, and it's the truth of God's word. We're gonna bring it right out of the Bible, but I want you to know that I do not know where you are at on your journey. So I'm gonna share a truth with you, but I don't know where you're at, therefore I have no way to really know how you're going to receive it. So what we're gonna have to do is we're going to have to be gracious with each other, right? So you're gonna have to trust Pastor Jeff's heart. I did not get an email about you. This sermon is not about you specifically, right? So you're gonna have to trust my heart and I'm gonna trust your heart too, that this may be difficult to receive. It may be exactly what you need to receive, but we're just gonna be gracious with, with each other as we go through life's journey. Does that make sense? Right, so is that a deal? Say deal. deal. Deal, all right. If you're watching online, say deal. Turn off the football game and pay attention to me, first of all. You think I don't know how you watch this online, so first of all, do that, and then say deal. Okay, all right? So we're gonna have to just be gracious in those ways, okay? So if I wanna be a cycle breaker, and if I want to put my life on a different direction, allow God to use it, what I'm gonna have to do is I'm gonna have to give my pain a mission, I'm gonna to have to give my pain a mission. Last weekend, we were talking about four choices that we can, we're free to make in our pain. It's up to you whether you wanna make them or not, but these four choices can set you free if you want to make them. And one of those four choices was this. I said to you, if you want to, you can choose to live in the what instead of the why. You can choose to live in the what instead of the why. If you ask me, why did I have to go through the pain that I went through? 
why did I have to lose a loved one? Why did I have to deal with a health problem? Why did I have to go through a divorce? Why did my dad walk out on me? Why was our family broken? If you ask me why God did all that, if you press me, we talked about it enough, I would eventually have to look at you and say, I don't know. I don't know why that was God's plan for your life. I know it's a plan. The Bible says God's ways are greater and higher than my ways. His mind is higher than mine. I cannot understand God's mind, but I can choose to trust his heart. So I don't know why, and usually the Bible doesn't tell us why. What the Bible usually tells us is what. What to do with our pain, what to do with our hurt, what to do with our losses, etc. And so I said to you, I said, we have to choose, you can choose whether you want to live in the what or the why. And I said, my experience, this is just Jeff's opinion now, it's not the Bible, my opinion, 30 years of being a pastor, my observation is people who build a home in the why suffer because they keep asking a question again and again and again that cannot be answered and they suffer. My observation is people who build a home in the what find that they can redeem their pain, they can find meaning and purpose and even joy in their pain because they know what to do about it. So giving your pain a mission is a what answer. And if I wanna be a cycle breaker, giving my pain a mission will help me to break that cycle. It's part of what God wants me to do, right? It's power how God uses my pain. When you go into the Bible, what you're gonna find in the Bible is you're gonna find a pattern in the Bible. And you're gonna find it from the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, all the way through the end, the book of Revelation, Old Testament, New Testament, the nation of Israel, the church, all of it. You're gonna find the same pattern. And the pattern you're gonna find is that God uses broken people who are in pain to communicate his love and truth to other people who struggle in the same way. And you're gonna find this story again and again and again. So one of the big guys in the Old Testament is Moses, you know, Ten Commandments, Moses. Moses had a very difficult life. Moses grew up in extreme ethnic and racial tension. The people that Moses, his culture and his ethnicity he was born into were enslaved by the Egyptians, but then Moses was adopted by an Egyptian person and lived in the Egyptian palace. So what that meant was his enslavers were his adopters. So the people who enslaved his people did not accept Moses and the people who were enslaved by his adopted family did not accept Moses. It's a very difficult way to grow up. And Moses would have lived in that tension. He was a man without a people and a man without a country. And what you see is that God used his experience of brokenness and pain to bring freedom to the people just like him. Moses was uniquely positioned by his pain and difficulty to speak to the enslavers and to lead his own people that were enslaved. Only Moses could have done that. And you see God utilize his pain. Uh, you see this in, in the, the character in the Old Testament, Joseph. Joseph, I call his family the most dysfunctional family in the Bible. Abandonment, there's rape, there's murder, there's incest. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. 
and Joseph winds up being sold into slavery and he winds up being in a position where he is able to rescue the people who sold him into slavery. And God utilizes that pain. In fact, the Bible says what, the, what was meant for evil, God meant for good. He utilizes that brokenness pain. Look at, the, look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was prideful. He was self-righteous. He was lost in religious confusion. God utilized that background so that Paul could explain Jesus who, to people who were also self-righteous and lost in religious confusion. The, the Ruth in the Old Testament. Ruth was a widow in the Old Testament. That would have meant that she found herself in economic insecurity and social insecurity. And God used that so she could rescue her mother-in-law, Naomi, from the exact same situation, which was actually worse for Naomi because she was an older woman and Ruth was at least young and could remarry. And I, I, we could literally sit up here like the whole weekend and I could tell you example after example after example where God looked to broken people who had all kinds of issues. Some of them were imposed on them and some of them were self-imposed. And God used their brokenness and he used their pain and he used their story to uniquely help other people who were like them. And you'll see that again and again and again. God calls people into the places of their brokenness and pain because those people can uniquely, we would say, make Jesus make sense to those people who are broken and in pain. And they speak from a place of experience. They speak from a place almost of like a moral authority. They've gone through it also. And they can cause Jesus to make sense in a unique way to people who've gone through the exact same things in their life. I wrote it this way in our notes. God uses our misery to equip us for our mission. He uses our misery to equip us for our mission. And he uses our pain so that we can be on a unique mission for him, right? Now, this is my observation. Again, this is, this is Jeff. This isn't the Bible. My observation is this. The most effective cycle breakers are on a mission. They give their pain a mission. And what motivates them <clears throat> and helps them to break the cycle is that they're doing it for someone else. And I bet you that's true of you. When you look and say, all the dysfunction of my childhood, I don't want my children to grow up this way. Uh, all of my struggles with addictions, I realize it's hurting the people around me. All of the ramifications of my abuse, I realize it is wrecking my marriage and I don't want to wreck it. I don't want that to happen to her or to him. And most of the time, most cycle breakers would look and say, my pain's on a mission. I'm going to do something with this. And there's someone outside of themselves that they've looked at and said, I'm motivated, I'm excited, I desire to change. My love for Jesus, I want to serve and follow and be used by Jesus. And cycle breakers are on a mission and they're motivated for someone else's benefit, right? And it's what drives them to motivate them or even to begin to break the cycle in the first place, okay? 
That is giving your pain a mission. I'm going to use it. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to do this because I see that same pain in you. And I want to bring the truth and the hope of Jesus to you that, I, that I've found for myself. Okay? Now, this is what happens. When we give our pain a mission, it changes how we interact with our pain and our brokenness. Right? So I wrote it down this way. When I give my pain a mission, pain loses its predominance in my life. When I give my pain a mission, it gives, it, pain loses its predominance in my life. This is what happens. Pain and brokenness and dysfunction and just kind of however you would say it. When that is flared up in our life, it is the thing that is in our face all the time. And when I have gone through pain, when I've been abused, when I've been abandoned, when, I, when I've been betrayed, when I'm fighting, it is in my face all the time. And what we're generally taught to do is pay attention to that pain. That pain is what happened to you. That pain is who you are. That pain is now your identity. And God would come in and argue pretty strongly and he would say, listen, your pain doesn't define you. It refines you. I am not my failure. I am not my pain. I am not my abuse. It's a part of my story, but it's not the whole of my story. When I take that pain and I take those circumstances in my life and I put it on a mission and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this or allow God to use this in my life, what it does is it takes that pain and it loses its predominance in my life. So uh, a few years ago, actually it was the first weekend of the shutdown with COVID. Uh, I cut my finger off. So I was, I was home, everything was shut down. Heidi and the kids were all in Florida. They had gone to Florida without me and I was gonna join them. And then all of COVID and all that kind of stuff shut down. So I said, you guys stay down there. I'll just have to stay up here and try to oversee things at the church. But I was, I was home because we weren't you know, allowed to do anything. And so I went home and I like to, uh, when I'm home and I'm stressed out, the way that I relax is I like to do landscaping. And so I love landscaping. I especially love rocks. I have this thing with rocks. And so I like to use stone and make all these hardscapes and stuff like this. And so I went home one day to try to burn off some stress and I was building a landscape feature and I was moving this barn stone that weighs Oh, they probably weigh 150 pounds, maybe 500 pounds, you know, something like that. And I was moving this barnstone around and I was trying to twist this barnstone into my tractor bucket so that I could move it somewhere. And I had gloves on and I had car, it's kind of cold outside, it was March and so, but it was kind of sunny and so I'm working out there. And I'm not sure what happened, but somehow I twisted this barnstone, something slipped, it pinched my finger between the stone and the bucket of my Kubota and it cut my finger off. And so I kind of immediately realized what happened. I jumped up, I'm jumping in the yard, you know, in pain. I ripped the glove off that was on and the whole flap of my finger just went like that. And it was bloody and you could see the bone and it was just waving there in the breeze. And it was, you know, just think about it, just visualize all that, right? So that, that was going on. But I'm home alone, like there's no, what do I do? I can't yell, I can't call Heidi, like I'm home alone. 
And so I'm laying there with my finger flapped open and I thought, well, I need to, I probably, I, I, I need to go to the hospital, but do you dial 911 when you cut your finger off? Like it doesn't seem like that bad of a thing. So what I did is what my father taught me to do, got a paper towel and I wrapped it up and I was like, we're going to the hospital. So I hopped into my truck. I'm kind of doing breathing exercises because it, I mean, it hurts something horrible. And I go to the, uh, the emergency room. I get into the emergency room, they have me come back and they're like, uh, Mr. Bogue, uh, what seems to be the problem? I'm like, well, my finger. And it's this one. So uh, I cut my finger off. And I think this, this, is, my, this is my problem. And they're like, uh, they're like, okay. So they start looking at my finger. They're moving stuff around on my finger. Like the nerve's exposed. They're clean. I'm like about ready to lose my mind. Like the pain is just through the roof. And so they start running my vital signs. And they were like, Mr. Bogue, you seem to be sweating. Uh, do you have a fever? I'm like, no, I cut my finger off. So that's why I'm sweating. And then they took my blood pressure. They're like, your blood pressure's high. I'm like, that's cause I cut my finger off, you know? And then they were like, do you have, have you been exposed to COVID? I know, I was like, no, but I have been exposed to cutting my finger off, right? There's, it's very clear why I'm in here right now and I need some help. So they're messing around with it. I'm like, can you give me some, uh, some pain medicine? They're like, not until we examine it. I'm like, can you give me a shot of whiskey? Can you give me something like to help me with my finger? They're like, no, we can't do any of that. And so they're moving it around and I'm laying there. It's throbbing, it's burning, this shooting pain is going up my arm, it's horrible. And, I, and I'm like, when are we going to you know, do something with this? They said, well, they said, because you crushed it, we have to take an x-ray. Because if you broke, your, you broke the bone and dirt gets in the bone, you're going to lose your whole arm. I was like, okay, well, let's go ahead and get an x-ray then. And they said, okay, it'll be a few minutes. So an hour and a half later, I'm just in this pan, like sweating, my blood pressure's through the roof, and I'm so angry. I'm like, this is what's wrong with the hospital system. This is what's wrong with the government. This is, I mean, you just kind of go everywhere, right? And I'm all upset. And the, the, uh, finally, the, uh, I'm, I'm just tense. I want to scream at somebody. I wanted to walk out of there. I wanted to yell at somebody. Finally, the x-ray person comes in. They go, hey, Pastor Jeff. I'm like, oh, great. This is fantastic. Now I have to be Pastor Jeff. I'm, so I faked it. I was like, hey, how are you? It's so good to be together, you know? And so he's talking to me and he puts me in a wheelchair because apparently you can't walk with a finger cut off. And so we're going down to the x-ray thing and I'm pretty tense on the inside. And I was like, yeah, I was like, ha, ha, ha. Took you guys a long time to take an x-ray. And he goes, yeah, he goes, there was this accident and he'd started to describe it to me and how this person was fighting for their life and how he saw all of this and actually he was kind of upset about it. And then he was like, he's kind of open. Now suddenly I'm his pastor and he's sharing all this of his emotional pain with me and he goes, can you pray with me about that? And I said, of course. And so I was about ready to pray with him. And right, was, right when he, I was gonna pray with him, he moved my finger. So I was like, dear Lord, uh, help Bill. You know, kind of thing, right? Now this was, this was fascinating. This was fascinating. When I started to pray for him, my pain started to be managed. See? When, when I got on a mission and I got outside of myself. See, suddenly I was interacting with my physical pain in a whole different way. This is what happens when you give your pain a mission. When you look and say there's a reason, there's something God can do. It, 
it loses its predominance. It quits defining you. It quits paralyzing you. It quits handicapping you. Because now I'm going to allow God to do something with this pain. The Apostle Paul is kind of saying this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling me. And this is what Paul is saying. He is not saying I live in denial. He's not saying I was never prideful, I was never self-righteous, I was never a murderer, I was never bitten, I was never shipwrecked, I was never stranded naked on an island, I was never arrested, I was never, none of that ever happened. He's not living in denial. What he's saying is, I'm gonna take this back here. This is going to shape me but not define me because instead of being stuck in my past, I'm going to be focused on what lies ahead. There is something greater that God has for me. There is something greater he has called me to. When you look at the Apostle Paul's life after he came to Jesus, it got wildly difficult after he came to Jesus. It never got easy. It got harder. People were literally trying to kill him. He was literally false in prison. He was literally beaten by the Romans. He was literally shipwrecked and naked and lost at sea. He writes about all of this. And he's like, that's what happened to me. That's who I was. I'm not gonna go build my life back there. I'm gonna build my life up here. Because Jesus has something greater for me that he has called me to. He has a mission. And when I give my pain a mission, it puts my past in perspective. And I can look and say, man, if I had not gone through this, if these things had not, if this loss had not happened, then I would not be equipped for these relationships that God is bringing into my life and for these opportunities that lay ahead of me, which ultimately bring glory to God and ultimately bring eternal reward to me. And when I do that, I, I, I start moving to a place of health. It's very fascinating because I'm not defined by my pain. I'm refined by it. I'm not identified in my pain. It's a part of me, not the whole of me. And I start to allow myself to see what God wants to do through this story and this journey that he's taken me on. When I put my pain on a mission, when I put my pain on a mission, it loses its predominance in my life. Now this is the second thing I wrote down about this. When I put my pain on a mission, something happens. When I redeem my pain, what happens is I move from a survivor to a thriver. I move from a survivor to a thriver. This is a really fascinating passage here in 2 Corinthians. So this is same Apostle Paul. He says, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. Now I wanna talk about this passage for a minute and I need to be a Bible nerd for just a second, okay? So if you're unfamiliar 
we get our English Bible from the Greek language, so we translated it into English. And what's fascinating, sometimes you have to do a little bit more study on that translation. So the word that we translated into English, the word comfort, means something different in the original languages than, than what, how we would hear it. It's not a false translation, we would just hear it differently. When we hear the word comfort, we would think of emotion, that God surrounds me, he, he holds me, he protects me, he, he speaks truth and well-being into my heart, right? Now, all that's true, but that's actually not what that word means. It's not the best translation for it. If we were gonna translate it into English today, we wouldn't use the word comfort. What we would use is two words. We would use the word spiritual strength. Spiritual strength. So the verse would read like this. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all spiritual strength who spiritually strengthens us in all of our trouble so that we can spiritually strengthen those in any trouble with the spiritual strength we ourselves received from God. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is this, that when I give my pain a mission, I move from a survivor to a thriver. Because when I'm surviving, when I'm surviving, the mindset I have is this, I just have to make it through the day. If I could get out of bed this morning, if I could overcome my anxiety this evening, if I could just make it one more day. See? Now these aren't horrible thoughts, they're just the thoughts of a survivor. To break a cycle, I become a thriver. And a thriver is somebody who doesn't look and say, I hope I can make it through the day. A thriver is someone that looks and says, God allowed me to make it through a day. Who else can I help to make through their day? God has strengthened me. God motivated me to want to break a cycle. God empowered me. God found me. I recognize, you know, the dysfunction I grew up in was godless. And here I am sitting in church. The dysfunction I grew up in was motivationalist. They never tried to overcome their addiction. They never tried to save their marriage. It wasn't even a thought. And here I, I'm ready to do that. God has spiritually strengthened me. And what I wanna do is I wanna give that pain a mission. I wanna give the spiritual strength that I have been given by God. This God who spiritually strengthens us in our trouble the, the, the God who takes me beyond being like a functional adult to a cycle breaker, a God who wants my family to have something different than I had, wants my friends to have something different than a friend offered me, that God who spiritually strengthens me in my trouble, why? So that I can give the spiritual strength that I was given. And it moves me from a survivor, I'm just gonna get by, to somebody who looks and says, I actually have something to offer. I have something to offer. I don't have all the answers. We all know that cycle breaking goes like this. It doesn't just go like that. But I've learned a thing or two. 
I've experienced a thing or two. God has shown himself to me. I have gone through something that other people haven't gone through, so much so that I can actually recognize your pain without you ever telling me you're in it. I can see somebody like me across the room. And I can go to them like God came to me. And I can show them the hope and the salvation and the forgiveness and the mercy and even the presence of God. Because I'm not just gonna survive this, I wanna break this. And God has empowered me, he's helping me, he's broken it. And I've joined him in what he's doing. With the spiritual strength that he's given me, I'm gonna give that same spiritual strength to the people around me, see? And what happens is this, when I no longer allow pain to be the predominant feature of my life, not denial. If your pain happened 10 minutes ago, it's the predominant feature of your life. You haven't learned to live with it, you haven't learned to process it, it's fine. It, there are seasons. But when I look back, and I've allowed my pain, my sin, my frustration, what's been done to me and what I've done to others, when I allow that to become my identity, when I choose to get, now pain is no longer the predominant feature of my life. What's ahead of me is the predominant feature of my life. And when I look and say, I'm not gonna be a survivor, I'm gonna be a thriver, I'm going to start utilizing not living in what happened to me, not living in what I feel was unfair. I'm gonna start utilizing it so that people can find the freedom that I found. What happens is when I embrace my mission, I break my cycle. I break my cycle. That's how it works. And what you'll see in these same Bible people is you'll see that many of them are cycle breakers. Paul would have been raised in a prideful, self-righteous, legalistic, spiritually confused home. And that same person says, I am the least. I am the worst. I am the chief of sinners is what he calls himself. See, he broke a cycle because he went on a mission. Joseph, when, when his, his own family sold him to slavery, and when they came to him now begging for food, he looked at them and he said, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. He broke a cycle. He rescued his father, his brothers, and actually the whole nation. And we could go again and again and again and again and again through the scripture. And you'll see that when a mission was embraced, when faith was locked onto, when trust was put in place, and they took their pain and they put it on the mission, a cycle was broken. And it, cha it changed them, and then it literally changed generations that came after them, right? Now, How we receive truth depends on where it interacts with us in our life's journey. 
So that's the truth. That doesn't mean that it's easy to receive. What I want you to see is that God can do something greater than you can ever imagine that he can do. See? The world around us would look and say, you know, you know what? You are what happened to you. You are an abuse victim. You were sexually abused. You were, you were physically abused. And you know the person most likely to repeat abuse is one who was abused, so. God would look at you and say, I know what you went through. Let's give it a mission. Because nobody has empathy for an abuse victim like one who's been a victim of abuse. And I know you, and you know me, and I can free you, and we can break this. You got choices, and I'll empower you with it. Okay. And I have spiritually strengthened you so that you can spiritually strengthen another. If you're grieving, if you lost someone, nobody has empathy for someone who has lost someone more than someone who has lost someone. Nobody knows what's behind that grief. Nobody knows that it doesn't matter how old your mom was when she died. She's gone. Nobody knows. Nobody knows, like someone who's lost someone, that when, you, when you're going through grief, it feels like depression, it feels like temper, it feels like anger, and it's really grief. Nobody knows that unless you've lost someone. And as you've gone through grief and you've found hope in Christ, he has strengthened you. Nobody can bring spiritual strength to someone who's lost someone like someone who's lost someone. If you've gone through an injustice, no one is more passionate about justice than someone who has suffered injustice. No one knows what the real answers are better than someone who's had to find the real answers for themselves. No one can move issues of injustice into issues of relationship and reality and out of slogans and politics more than someone who's been treated unfairly for whatever reason throughout their life. So when God looks at you and says, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, you understand that on a level that other people cannot and other people have not yet, but that's the answer that they need. And your story is what gives you the moral authority to bring an answer. See how it works? Nobody understands addiction like an addict. Nobody, when somebody looks at an addict and says, why don't you just quit? Nobody understands how difficult that is. Don't ever touch that drug. Don't ever touch that alcohol again. The rest of your life, never once ever no one understands that battle. No one understands euphoric recall. Nobody understands the pressures of environments. Nobody understands how difficult it is to change friends. Nobody understands that, like somebody who's an addict. And why did God let you go down that path? Why did he call you out of it? Why has he empowered you? because the spiritual strength he gave you, you can now give to the people around you. Nobody understands the person who's struggling like the person who has struggled. And when you give your pain a mission, 
And you say, I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to allow God to use it. What you're doing when you do that is you're joining almost every person mentioned in the Bible and you're joining every other Christ follower who's ever walked the planet because this is the essence of really what it means to follow Jesus. It is not coincidental that Jesus endured pain. Why did Jesus have to suffer and die? Why, why couldn't he have like, been born on Christmas, you know, and, or even just come down as an adult? Be like, you know what, I'm 33, oh, I'm Jesus, and like three days later, I'm crucified. Why, why did he have to be betrayed by his friends? Why did he have to suffer the, the death of his earthly father, Joseph? Why did he have to take responsibility for his whole family because he was the oldest son? Why did he have to feel the sting of betrayal when Peter denied him three times? Why did he have to feel abandoned when all of the thousands of followers fled from him after he said he was God? Why did he have to suffer injustice, falsely arrested, falsely tried? Why did he have to be beaten? Why couldn't they have just crucified him? Why, why did his beard have to be pulled out? Why did they, why did they have to spit upon him? Why the crown of thorns? Why, isn't that... Was all, if all he had to do was die, how come all of that? And then how come he, why, why wasn't he shot? Why did he have to linger on a cross and bleed out for hours only to suffocate in this fluid building up in his lungs? Why? Because, see, the Son of Man suffered because when we look and say, God, you don't know me, you don't understand me, he can look and say, but I do. I do. I know how hard this is. I know how unfair it is. I know what it's like to be under God's plan, not your own, because I even asked my father to change the plan, and he said no. But I also know the joy set before me. I endured the cross because I was on a mission. And I can see in hindsight now how my father redeemed that mission. I can see you, and I can see that you need me, and I can see that I make sense to you and you make sense to me because we've walked a mile in each other's shoes, so to say, because I suffered. So to follow Jesus, Jesus says what you're gonna do is you're gonna join me in my suffering. Well, why do we have to join him in his suffering? Because it gives authority to the mission because it gives relationship to the mission. Because nobody understands a person in pain like a person who's been in pain. See? And if I choose to adopt that, and all the saints of old that we would call Bible heroes, in one sense or another, adopted that, and I choose to put my faith in it, and I choose to give my pain a mission, you break a cycle. You break the cycle of sin, you break the cycle of dysfunction, you break the cycle of pain. Because you're doing, you're doing something that only you are equipped to do. Okay. All right. The band's gonna come out and they're gonna move the platform around for us. And so it just, I'm gonna bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. We're gonna sing this beautiful song about 
who God is and how he sees us. It's comforting. So seeing that in a minute. And then we're gonna sing a song about God's faithfulness. And then we're gonna sing a song about God's receptivity to us. None of this stuff will you ever do perfectly, but you're always welcome to come back to a perfect God. So as we get ready for that, kind of focus our hearts and minds to that, I just want us to pray. And there's two things I want you to pray about, okay? Here's the first thing. I encourage you to pray and ask God through his Holy Spirit to bring one element of your pain to mine that you can give a mission to. We all have a bunch of pain, bunch of wounds, bunch of brokenness, just one that you can give a mission to. Just pray that prayer. As you have that in your mind, I want you to pray one of the boldest prayers you've ever prayed. Ready? Ask the Holy Spirit who you can bring that mission to. Who is a person like you? Someone struggling with what you struggled with. That you can take the hope and the love and the truth of Jesus in a completely unique way and bring it into their life. And Lord, as you bring this all to mind, would you let us receive your love? We wanna love you with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, God. And in the place of our pain, our brokenness, our sin, whatever it is, God, let us see what's ahead of us. And then, God, would you help us to see that neighbor that we need to love as ourself? And would you begin to cultivate a passion, a compassion, a plan, a boldness, whatever is required, God, to press into their life, to journey with them, to share with them the spiritual strength that you have shared with us.